Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a blur with a love of artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production compared to its original source material and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we're getting whelmed for DC's greatest sidekicks and covering every episode of Young Justice on... Yeah, another DC animated podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Welcome to yet another episode of yet another DC animated podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I am Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year the Magic School Bus aired the In a Beehive episode. And this is one of the craziest synopses I've ever heard. Because (laughs) in this episode, we have Tim Mm. (laughs) trying to get honey from his grandfather's bee farm. But he drops it on the way home. So what they decide to do is have Miss Frizzle shrink them down into the beehive to take honey from bees. And at one point, she turns two of her students into bees. Oh, my God. I remember. Yeah, sorry. I just I had like a vivid flashback of two of them looking like bees. Yes. (laughs) I there's no permission slip you can sign for that. Just I just want everyone (laughs) to let you know. All right. So Miss Frizzle is a menace. It, it's time for the truth to come out. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, You know, Arnold was right. There's a lot of things that Miss Frizzle did that wasn't okay by any parent-teacher association, not by the principal. I don't, I don't even know what a permission slip will look like to fill out. Like, your kid will go on a trip to a beehive and turn themselves into a bee. Like, you have to not be paying attention to that permission slip at all to sign that. <laughs> Oh, God. But um, I think I'm getting some of the references here because there's a lot of connections. <laughs> um, Yeah, there's like a whole bunch. Of- <laughs> uh, Well, we're going to start it off with our next set of episodes here as we're going through episodes 10 through 13 that are filled with um, microorganisms, the DC superhero Bumblebee herself. <laughs> And just a whole bunch of other insects. Uh, I I think I think beetles are an insect, right? Or or they are arachnid. No, I think they count as insects. Okay. All right. So let's do this. We're going to talk about episodes ten through thirteen of Young Justice Invasion. Um, we are now at the halfway point of our show, where we are going to be talking about episode ten called Before the Dawn, followed by Cornered, True Colors. And then the fix. Because of the many leaps that they were going to be taken, and also because of the fact that our villains are introduced, the partner of the light called the Reach will be introduced fully. Um, because of the very, very moments in which they're reaching for the stars in some of these plot lines and stories. In honor of Ron Burgundy, we're calling this one that escalated quickly. Things do. Things really do. <laughs> it's just like a Miss Frizzle trip. 
All right. So timing wise, we are going through March 30th through April 9th. Uh, cast list is as follows. Uh, we got Kevin Graveau, who's returning as formerly he was a shadowy figure um, in one of our episodes. But now it's revealed that he's the lights uh, part, the new partner of the light with the reach. He's the enforcer by the name of Black Beetle. Masasa Moyo continues voicing Cat Grant bumblebee and now she's the voice of the reach scientist we also get introduced to today fully uh phil lamar is pulling uh, jesus so he's, he's so many people in the in these episodes <laughs> he will be the voice of ro the robot elron i'm sorry i just thought about Elrond. <laughs> hey that, i kept doing that while i was watching the episode we also got him as the voice of the reach ambassador and green beetles another um set of characters we get introduced to today it's funny because both of them have a somewhat i want to say west indian accent to the, the way they speak and i realized that as long as you have a character with some kind of west indian accent in the dc animated universe it's going to be phil lamar oh yeah, he's got you. He's got yeah. you. <laughs> uh, wrapping this up, we got Mark Ralston, who's returning as Lex Luthor, but also does double work as Pa Kent in our True Colors episode. Uh, and then next up, we have two big ones. We have Wentworth Miller, who broke out with Prison Break before heading to the Arrowverse as Captain Cold, then later Citizen Cold. Today, he plays another DC character, uh, sometimes hero, sometimes villain, as Deathstroke enters as the new enforcer of the light. And finally, we have Brighton James, who is the voice of young Virgil Hawkins. Well, most people might know Brighton, probably as either from his show Young and the Restless, where he's the, uh, where he plays Devon Hamilton Winters, or most famously, Richie from Family Matters. Oh, <laughs> hey, Richie, good to see you. <laughs> All right, so that's our cast list and our episode is set up. So let's Zeta Tube over where we left off with in Darkest. I just realized the pun that they did with these episode titles. <laughs> we wrapped up Darkest last episode, so now it is Before the Dawn. Okay, now this is one of the most hilarious superhero origin stories I've ever seen. Because first, Jaime opens, we open on Jaime, who risks his life immediately by trying to go to a Spanish home after curfew. Mm -hmm. So right away, he's, he's, you can see this guy's risking it all. <laughs> um, but then he's passing by the, te the Ted Cord's building, and due to an explosion, his shirt catches on fire. <laughs> so he has to take off his shirt, allowing the scarab that exploded out of the building to crawl onto his back and attach to him. That is is hilarious. I'm sorry, Jaime. <laughs> I know your struggles are real, but if you had kept your shirt on, you would have been Gucci, my man. Like, Or even better, get home before the streetlights went off. Yep. Now your mother can hang that over you for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Please, everybody, do not tell your mom this story. This will, this will be the end of you even having a curfew. You will be home 24-7. <laughs> but we do find out that this is all kind of like a flashback memory um, viewing as Jaime wakes up. As we left off, um, Jaime and a couple of the other members of the team, they get captured by Aqualad or Calder now, who brings them over to the Light's new partner to reach, where they are currently investigating his memories to try to figure out the scarab so they learned that thankfully because the scarab is able to translate for us that they were a part of the scarab being um 
put on Earth in some way, shape, or form. So they are trying to access the Scarus memory files because for some reason, anything prior to eight months ago is just completely wiped out. And this is just about the same amount of time that has been fused with Jaime. So they're saying that they should reboot it, but by doing so, it might actually cause Jaime to die, which obviously nobody wants, especially Jaime. So while he's trying to figure out how to escape, we hop back over to Aqualad, who, or Calder, who is now, I feel so bad about not calling him Aqualad. You know, it's just like, it's ingrained in my heart. Sorry, right now he's Aquafiend. I was trying to do like an Aquafina, but it didn't really work in my head. In any case, speaking of things that do work, Calder is hard at work undercover. And while he's talking to the scientist, he learns that there's an existence of the metagene, which basically, if you survive intense physical trauma and you're a human with the metagene, you will likely transform due to the sheer stress. So in order to chest the stress, the scientists are constantly uh, torturing Beast Boy and Impulse just pretty much nonstop, it <laughs> seems. Um, and they kept Blue Beetle separate. And they imply that the Blue Beetle is not part of the deal that they have with the Reach or the with the Blue Beetle is not part of the deal they have with the Light. He is strictly going to be saved for the Reach and their plans. So now Calder is cornered. He has he can't even stop his friends from getting hurt, but luckily he has a backup plan, and that's sending in Tigris to lead another batch of abductions that might have a nice side effect. Yes, because we see that um, as Nightwing has explained in our previous episode, um, Calder is working as a bit of a Trojan horse, uh, and as we also know, Tigris is actually Artemis in disguise thanks to the glamour charm that Satana provided. Um, so they continue on with this Trojan horse tactic as we have a new set of people who are being taken in. And in that moment, we see that Batgirl, uh, Robin, and also Bumblebee enter into the cage. They're in their civvy, so you don't really, they can't really be seen, except for Bumblebee, who has shrunken down to the size of a bee, um, you know, inspired by that episode of, of, with Miss Frizzle. And there is a lot of people, a lot, of, a lot more teens who are captured in this cage and they're telling them that it's going to be okay. This one girl who's even like, yo, why why haven't you tried to break us out? Even, but more importantly, why did you even jump into this cage with us? <laughs> uh, fun fact, this girl is Stephanie Brown, who ends up being a Batgirl in the future. Um, but more importantly, spoiler. So, uh, spoiler on that, I guess. <laughs> oh, that's her? Yeah, yeah. So, um, she's voiced by Mae Whitman in this episode, who also knows the voice of Wonder Girl in this series, too. So... We'll meet spoiler later on, um, but while she's figuring this out, she does feel confident when she sees that Bumblebee flies into Tim's jacket, and they're all now, all the teens are led into the ship that the uh, Black Mantis troops are manipulating. I, I don't know what, I don't know what this thing is called. There's some mentions that's called a Manta Flyer. I don't know, something about that just seems, I think we can think of a cooler name at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, come on. He, he's... That with his Black Panther esque room, I, I think we can. Right. We'll we'll figure out this something stinger. We'll we'll, we'll workshop it. <laughs> Back at the base, Jaime wakes up just after dreaming of Ty, and also finds out that the bug will removing the bug will likely kill him. So time is of the essence, and luckily, B 
because of the efforts of their compadres. They are Nightwing, Miss Martian, and the others arrive near the base where they have to be. And Miss Martian is able to sneak in easily to infiltrate. And here, there's a really such a small detail they didn't even need to put in here. But when Miss Martian enter exits the ship underwater, her body shrinks down. And they mm. later explain the water pressure actually compressed her body, which is fascinating and proof that Batman would have died instantly in Throne of Atlantis. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is what happens when you know <laughs> physics. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Justice League shouldn't have made it out of there for multiple reasons. But um, now that Miss Martian has located her friends, there's a decision because they haven't found Blue Beetle. Do they stay or go? And Nightwing says, we got most of them. We gotta go now. Uh, this turns into a very big moment because as they are making their way through, of course, we are able to free some of them, but by setting off the alarm, it does cause Impulse, who is found, um, to just immediately run off to find Blue Beetle. Uh, he does it without even consulting the team. He just, I don't, he doesn't even know where to go. There's a funny little gag where it's very Scooby Doo reference like, where he's just opening and going through doors trying to find where Blue Beetle's at. Fortunately, though, it does seem that um, there are many Trojan horses here at play, as one of the Manta Manta men is actually Superboy in the sky. So he removes his helmet as he's <laughs> clearly secured the entire Bay Area. Um, because he's knocked out everybody, given everyone a chance to connect the bio ship to the ship that they're in underwater, letting everyone be able to, all the capture teams to come forward and try to escape. However, ooh, this does lead into a very big confrontation because, um, of course, since Impulse ran away, is we have Miss Martian and Beast Boy who are traveling together, trying to find their way out as well. And this is when they come face to face with Calder. Yes. And Megan is not holding back. She has felt the force of losing Artemis and does can't live with Calder walking free. So she brain blasts him. And just as she sees, just as she's attacking his mind. She realizes the whole plan. She sees all of Calder's memories and realizes she's made a terrible mistake, that this was all part of a larger plan. But unfortunately, unfortunately, it's far too late. And just as Artemis arrives and takes away Calder, uh, he is already catatonic. And Beast Boy here is like, good job, Magan, you killed it. <laughs> but she has so much regret because she knows what was really going on in his mind. And this is balanced out by a triumphant scene where Impulse saves Blue Beetle with some really slick slow motion, really impressively done animation there. Mm -hmm. And it looks like everything is going to be okay until Black Beetle shows up to show these kids <laughs> these hands are rated A for all ages. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so we're going to give Black Beetle our most jacked award here, I believe, right? Is is oh, that? There, there, there's a oh, contender there's a... later. 
Oh, there's a tender a... later. <laughs> <laughs> like Yoda said, there is another. <laughs> oh man, but Black Beetle shows off the full extent. So I, it, the more that we're seeing this, the more it's clear that the scarab that is attached to Jaime is connected to the Reach more and more because this Black Beetle here, it looks almost exactly like Jaime if he just ate more protein and creatine. And it's wild that he is able to manipulate his skill set so that he does show that he is truly a force to be reckoned with. Um, he laughs and even there's at one point where he laughs and it's just super scary because it's just like one of those laughs where it's just like, oh, we may die. We may actually die here today. So I'm going to just say this, Thanos, Madara, Black Beetle. That That, that is the energy he is giving. My God, this man, he, I, I mean, where do you even begin? Uh, <laughs> so much crazy things in the, in the scene that McGann gets so shocked at one point she forgets how to density shift when facing off against black beetle and she gets stuck halfway through the door when black beetle counters it and then he turns to wonder girl and says i can put you halfway through the door the hard way and starts trying to shove her through the door my god this man is a savage my god but in the middle of all this chaos, we get a f- vision of the future where Impulse reveals that Blue Beetle, Jaime and Blue Beetle will become one of the biggest tyrants of the universe. And that's mainly because they are so jacked that th- it created a black hole around the earth that collapsed society because, damn, Jaime <laughs> is jacked as he hell is. in the future. <laughs> he is. Well, see the other. <laughs> yes, he was the okay. other. Okay, <laughs> I just wanted to make sure. I forgot because man's jawline looked like it was chiseled with stone and and, and like lightning. It is yeah. wild. <laughs> <laughs> so after Impulse reveals this to Blue Beetle, he is shocked, of course, because he here he is thinking this entire time that he's being a force for good, but again, he's scared because of the fact that it's either now he has two sides of. Does he become the biggest evil or does he try to reboot or get rid of Scarab so he dies? Um, So as they finish explaining it, fortunately, this brings them front and center to the battle um, as Impulse is able to escape uh, and join in, sorry, with the battle that's happening with Black Beetle. And it's, it's a tough one because Impulse, you know, as fast as he's moving, it's revealed that Black Beetle, the scarab that's attached to him, it can process information faster than even Impulse can move. So he's able to uh, to figure out the pathway that Impulse is going to be going. And he hits him with one of those like staple blasts that we've seen Black Be- um, Blue Beetle use in the past. And honestly, I thought this went through him. There was at many points when I was just like, I think this actually went through this man. Yeah, yeah. His ultra instinct skills are crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's clear that no one can even touch him, even though Static tries to shoot a gun. Nice try, Static. <laughs> uh, enjoy that because it's going to be the biggest thing you do in the series. Um, oh, <laughs> damn. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <laughs> but in any case, with everyone pretty much down, Blue Beetle decides to yield control of the Scarab to uh yield control of his body to the scarab and as he's fighting they're able to get people to safety and i really like a little moment where barbara takes control of the mission 
and says, look, we got to get as many injured people out of here as possible. Jaime, we got to leave Jaime to his own thing for a minute because we can't even do anything. And fortunately for everybody, also, Shimmer causes accidentally opens a hole in the ship that causes a flood. So now they're dealing with rising water, trying to escape in time. And luckily, Blue Beetle is able to escape through the hole in the ship. And as much as I hate to say it, Lagoon Boy comes in clutch and saves Blue Beetle from getting hit with the all the lasers this base <laughs> had for some reason. I also got to say, because I'm not... Well, two things. One, I do think it's... Um, I'm unsure if Shimmer actually had abilities prior to this. So um, when she does accidentally burn that hole into the hole... You do see it kind of like it's like a little glitter fire. Um, so if it's associated for name of Shimmer, that was pretty cool. Um, the other thing too, for Lagoon Boy, this is why you're the water guy. Okay, <laughs> this this is why you said you needed to be in the water. So thank you, but please know your role in the future. <laughs> <laughs> um. So as everyone escapes, they um, they're in the bio ship. And fortunately, everyone's able to figure out, um, you know, everybody's been saved. They were able to free a majority of the kids, especially the ones that have been captured since, like, um, since Ty was captured. So as they're trying to escape, we do see this one little moment in which um, Blue Beetle is still knocked out. But when he finally awakes, he does see that Impulse is looking at him. And he's like, yo, 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 I'm, I'm, it's me. I'm still good, bro. Like, I'm, I'm good. Um, but... This leads into now, what should we do next? So Nightwing is congratulating the team for the job well done because, again, they were able to save everybody. Um, but this now questions, how are we going to address everything that just happened? Do we share that the invasion has happened, that we have aliens here who are invading Earth? And they have all the evidence. They know what to do. And this is where it comes into a mission briefing of our, once again, new head of the Justice League, Captain Adam, um, telling him that, you know, the mission was a success and it's time for us to reveal the truth about the Reach being here. Unfortunately, the Reach beats them to the punch. Yeah, they went to the UN, mm. pulled up to the UN early and presented themselves as friendly neighborhood aliens. Um, so friendly that even... Godfrey, the obnoxious news reporter, supports them. And he also throws out a quick little immigration metaphor where he says, look at what happens when aliens come through the front door instead of the back. I caught you there. I see what you're doing here. And now the heroes are forced to face the fact that now everyone is going to be against them because while they know what the Reach has been up to, it's too late to put the lid back on the jar. Everyone thinks they're a force for good. And as they say, maybe we know what we're facing. We pan down to see the Reach has tons of ships underwater ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so now that we've seen the full force of the Reach and um, what they could potentially do to us, you might say they might have us cornered here on Earth. As we jump into our next episode, Cornered, which begins with us being traveling through the Milky Way, um, 
there is, of course, we get a chance to meet our boy Elrond, who is presenting these holographic projections to all the multiple superheroes on Earth. Uh, he shares basically a full rundown of like the powers that each one possess. And he tells them that even that, unfortunately, even though all these people could be champions on Earth, they're currently off planet. But we still have a few more, which includes Captain Marvel and Captain Adam. So now we see that Despero is our main villain for this episode, a character who we know mostly because of his third eye. Um, seen him in the Flash. He's a Jack dude, you know. But most importantly, that third eye is always going to be creepy as heck. Yeah, I hate that I know most of him because of that crossover <laughs> on in the Arrowverse, that three yeah. episode crossover, where his motivations were really confusing. So he, yeah, so he wants a strong opponent to fight, and Shazam's the best candidate. But meanwhile, Adam, Captain Adam, who is now the de facto most experienced member of the Justice League left on Earth, he tries to do some damage control with the public briefing. Um, but once the reach starts hinting at some Justice League secrets, they try to take it in private, which Godfrey says is shady. So again, this is feeling like a real news cycle, real politics, mm -hmm. guys. This episode hits a lot differently when you live through 2016. <laughs> <laughs> and while Captain Adam is managing that, we're seeing that the kids that were abducted are getting counsel. And there are a hit. This is one of the darkest beats of the series so far because there are explicit hints that children die mm -hmm. while while during this experiment. It's like the reach got rid of those that did not respond like they wanted. And Virgil um, gets is saying, you know, he was tested by static shocks. All right, we get it. Um, <laughs> And, but he, he said he was eaten by lightning itself. And that experience you could clearly see has rattled him. And as he leaves the room for counseling that Black Canary is giving once more, you can see that a, a paperclip that he touched is now magnetized every other paperclip in the room. Luckily, it didn't wipe Canary's hard drive by accident. Um, but you can see that he's developing powers. Um and now with these kids trying to deal with everything they're going through, we get an even bigger tragedy. Mal doesn't like the new base. Yeah, because as we mentioned in the um, previous episode in Darkest, with a bomb that was used, the same one to destroy Molina Island, uh, Calder and Tigris planted one inside of Mount Justice, which meant that the homes for many of our superheroes on the team are just completely destroyed. Um, but I'm uh, sorry, I meant superheroes and Mal. Uh, so, <laughs> so Nightwing, he brings over the members of the team who didn't have a home to be relocated at a new place in Bloodhaven. Um, with him is Superboy, Miss Martian, Mal, and also Wolf. He brings them over to a warehouse in Bloodhaven um, where Mal at first is like, Impressed, he's like, "Oh, okay, okay. It looks a little dusty on the outside, but it's probably like banging on the inside." <laughs> nah, it was worse on the inside. <laughs> and he's tired about this, so um, I do like the moments of consideration too, where we do see that it isn't just like a Nightwing wasn't just kind of like cold about it, where he's just like, "Hey, here's 
here's the sleeping quarters, here's this area, here's that. He takes a moment to be like, I put up a curtain for Miss Martian. I know it's not the ideal scenario, but I put up this curtain so that you could have a bit of privacy given the fact that you are staying with two other people here. And Mal, he's just completely upset about that. I don't know if he's upset about the fact that she has a curtain and he doesn't have one, but he decides to try to make arrangements somewhere else. So he lets, um, so he leaves as Nightwing tells the others to, they can head on over to the Hall of Justice to pick up some of the things that they were able to find in, um, in the wreckage of Mount Justice. So now that they're all collected in the Hall of Justice, except for just a few members, Aaron, the robot, <laughs> really Aaron, shows up and imprisons the Hall of Justice in this pyramid. And he shows up with Despero, who just aims to prove himself by beating the strongest warriors he can find. So immediately Despero cheats because Zatanna is there and ready to go. But Despero doesn't like magic, so he uses his third eye to shut her down completely somehow. And now it's going against Shazam versus Despero. And unfortunately, Shazam doesn't seem to have the strength to wipe this up by himself. Despero is just that crazy strong. And to make matters worse, B once again tries to shock somebody out of a stunned state. But that doesn't work either. So now they have no magic user. Shazam is on the losing end. And all they have left is Superboy, Magan, B, and Mal. <laughs> <laughs> this is a battle. This is tough. Um, this is a moment of conflict. But we can't talk about that moment of conflict quite yet because there's another big moment that comes up as during this private meeting between Captain Adam, the Reach Ambassador, and General Sang, uh, they're talking about just things dealing with, like, the fact that Captain Adam clearly doesn't like the Reach Ambassador being here. They're trying to talk about all the recent events. And little by little, you know, even though we know they're evil, you got to respect a villain that is able to drop moments like this so eloquently and great. I, so the Reach Ambassador reveals that the Justice League members are wanted war criminals throughout the galaxy. And this is, and he also reveals that the young heroes targeted the, the Reach research ship, uh, which was the one they recently attacked to free all the kids, but doesn't share, of course, because Captain Adam can't share that the Reach grabbed these kids because they don't really have any evidence to prove that. Um, but it does leave saying into a state of, more and more, he can't trust the Justice League because, again, when you're a war criminal and not even just within like a country, but the entire galaxy, it's a bad look. Yeah, he also makes Adam Adam look racist. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> All aliens look alike, huh? <laughs> so while Captain Adam is trying not to get canceled, uh, they go back to the pyramid <laughs> and find that even the might of Black Lightning cannot break through this pyramid force. So now inside, Miss M is encouraged to brain blast Despero, but she can't. She is still feeling so torn up over what she did to Calder that she really can't handle it. So now everyone's in their desperate hour. Billy, yeah. 
Okay, I just say real quick. Yeah, I just thought it was real funny that Black Lightning's Lightning was actually black. Yo, yeah, why <laughs> they don't do that later, right? No, it is fully <laughs> changed into a different color. It's like a, a more of like a silver actual lightning look. But this time around, it was like actual black lightning. And I need to know what was the creative decision, like the thought process behind doing it just for this episode. When his head is shaved, the lightning is black. But when his, he has hair, it's it's regular, I guess. I, the more I don't hair know. you have, the more lightning, like stronger your lightning is. That just seems weird. That seems offensive to all like bald people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> justice, justice for the bald. Oh, <laughs> uh, so speaking of lightning, Shazam tries to use his iconic Shazam lightning to put Despero down, but it doesn't work. And furthermore, as soon as Despero sees Billy as a kid, he renders him catatonic too he's like i'm not fighting no kids i'm not getting canceled today Um, (laughs) so now elrond is rightfully calling the heroes out because he's like why is it never one-on-one why you're always ganging up on my master (laughs) (laughs) um and at one point despero has overwhelmed so much that he's ready to go for the head and take out pop off superboy's whole head and B, it's barely able to get by by B taking out his eye, but even then she's rendered catatonic. So now all hope is lost. McGann is not willing to fight at her full strength. All the other heroes are down. So at their darkest hour, they are <laughs> saved by Mal, who found a guardian costume and is now calling himself the greatest hero of Earth, like he's Hercule. <laughs> Yeah, so before Jimmy Olsen and Supergirl, apparently Mal was the first black man to don the Guardian <laughs> costume and somewhat save the day. Basically, what happens here is that um, Mal decides that he's going to try and be as boisterous as possible to give everybody a chance to recuperate and also for them to formulate a plan. And I pray so hard that this plan came up quick because my man was not going to survive any longer than he did. But because of training with black, um, black Canary. So just like shout out to the fact from back in season one, when she showed us that she could go toe to toe with the man of steel by whooping the boy of steel. Um, he's able to survive just long enough by quickly dodging multiple grabs and attacks um, there is a quick funny beat in which in very spirit bomb like like a very spirit bomb like sense, he puts his hands up in the air and calls forth for all the power of the beings and creatures of the planet to <laughs> lend them his strength. <laughs> oh god. Um it's just a lot. And now as we reign to see if Despero, how long Despero is going to toy around with Mal as the guardian, we head back over to Star Labs where um, Canary's meeting up with Blue Beetle who tells him, they're having a really frank conversation about everything that happens, especially with Blue Beetle explaining a little bit about the fact of the history of the Scarab now that he's learned more. And this is where they decide that because Blue Beetle is connected to the reach in this way and wasn't and this scarab wasn't designed by Ted Cord. They Blue Beetle or Jaime might be the best weapon that they have against them. 
Um, but this does lead into a, another conversation where Impulse is very reluctant for uh, Jaime to actually share the news about the future. And I, I do like that during this, the Scarab is like, hey, you know what? Impulse is willing to keep our secret. Let's kill him to ensure compliance. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do love that. Um, but yeah, it, it is clear that although Impulse may have started this journey just to, to get close to Jaime, just to keep an eye on him, it's clear that he genuinely does care for Jaime and wants to protect his friend. I mean, he's stuck here. This is his life now. So it is clear that he really does care for Jaime. Um, and that 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 friendship is only going to strengthen over time. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, Mal is staying alive just because Canary taught him some moves, which, come on, Canary, teach me some things. Because if he's dodging Despero, you could get my cardio to perfection. Where I could finally run fast enough to make the train and not be dying once I sit down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. With here, you'd be taking Maces to the face like Black Canary did. <laughs> Um, but eventually he does get caught and McGann rallies thanks to some encouraging words from Superboy and she's able to reach out to Zatanna and break her free and Zatanna shows she's Justice League material guys because she pretty much single-handedly ends all of this mm -hmm. in with like, like people other people do things but Let's be real, Stana pretty much killed this whole thing. Like it was it was pretty much a wrap once she yeah. got involved. <laughs> <laughs> Makes um, sense why this bro took her out first. Like it now does. Yeah. Uh but unfortunately in the ensuing chaos, the Hall of Justice is completely totaled as well. Um, so now they are stuck in the wreckage inside this pyramid because as we said before, even Black Lightning couldn't break through. So they need to accept help from an unlikely source. Yes, with um, Captain Adam arriving with the Reach Ambassador and General saying once again, um, they're trying to figure out how to break through. Captain Adam tries to use his fist with combination of Captain Marvel's fist. It doesn't have work. So um, the Reach Ambassador pulls a little small little beetle from his back pocket and puts it against the pyramid, which completely shuts down the force field. This is when um, Captain Adams kind of reluctantly thanks the ambassador. And that's this is where the Reach once again shows that they are playing with a full deck here as they share that the shock that the League didn't just try to destroy the 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 um the force field using their watchtower. Like don't also, the fact that, you know, they'd be fine with not having the Hall of Justice anymore since the fact their real HQ is the Watchtower. So excellent little callback to um, our first episode ever of the Young Justice series. But at the same time, it pisses Sang off to the point where he's just like, I truly can't trust the Justice League anymore. And once again, Gordon Goffrey is on the story as he quickly reveals that um, how many secrets that the Justice League has been keeping from the public. Yeah, this is a huge blow to the public morale. And speaking of low morale, again, decides not to stay in the bootleg warehouse. She <laughs> decides to break into her uncle's apartment as her uncle. <laughs> kind of messed up. How often does she do that? Um, 
And although she declines Lagoon Boy's calls, Superboy comes through to have a conversation that we don't see. And Jaime, meanwhile, while he's in his feelings, reveals what the future holds for him if they don't stop him. And that is where we go. That's where we're left as we head into the Magic School Bus episode. I mean, um, True Colors. <laughs> Fortunately for us, there is no Cindy Lauper singing at any point during this episode because it is all action all the time as we open to Adam and Bumblebee, who have shrunk down to the size of cells within the body, or maybe a little bit bigger. I'm not entirely too sure because they're working on the procedure to try and remove the scarab from Jaime's body. Um, they take a laser with them to try and see if they can burn through the scarab, um, the parts of it that are hinged inside his body and holding onto his spine and try to see if they're able to do that. Unfortunately, we learned that the scarab, much like the rest of our bodies here, um, has its own antibodies. And upon getting attacked, they immediately start attacking Adam and Bumblebee while at the same time healing the burned wounds from the laser, um, which causes for Adam and Bumblebee to call for immediate extraction you know, just before, but they can't grow in size because if they do so, they would just basically kill Jaime. Yeah, um, and if you've seen the boys, uh, yeah, you yeah. know, you know. Mm -hmm. If you know, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, this is where we learn from the doctor that is there that, um, unfortunately, it is too embedded into his system that Jaime and the Blue Beetle will forever be one until either the Beetle decides to let go or Jaime dies. Yes. So on that dark note, there's no easy ways out as they head into their next mission. As Godfrey, again, <laughs> getting his money this season... <laughs> um, pitching a new show, Justice League Criminals, uh, a future spinoff of, you know, it's going to follow Justice League Unlimited. So make sure you rewatch before you watch Criminals. Uh, so as he's calling them out, he's saying how good, much good LexCorp is doing. And we find out that LexCorp is in Smallville, which you know is a big F you to Superman, mm -hmm. is creating crops, sustainable crops for people that will apparently be better than normal food and have the technology that Reach is using. So Nightwing wants to definitely check out what's going on in here. So even though Jaime is reluctant to go on the mission, Nightwing says, look, if the Scarab wanted to take us down, it would have done so by now. So we believe in you, that you're loyal. Even the Scarab is like, this Nightwing, his logic is flawless. And <laughs> Nightwing, Robin... Impulse are sent on the mission along with the newly added member of the team, Arsenal. <laughs> yes. And if Titans has taught us anything, um, you know, we were four bald people earlier in our episodes, but I feel like once you go bald, you go bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do see that Arsenal is here. He has shaved off his hair completely. Um, he also has more or less the same red arrow suits <laughs> with his enhanced arm that he got from LexCorp or from Lex Luthor during the battle from our last episode. So now in their civvies, we do see that Robin, Jaime, um, Impulse, and 
arsenal head on over to LexCorp farm in smallville and the tour is being conducted um who is sharing all the specifics about um crops and i don't know i kind of learned a lot yeah i think i learned what was it there was like apparently they use like hydroponic domes or water or something like that <laughs> yeah. to help uh, clearly i wasn't paying as much attention as i should have but i did learn a lot uh <laughs> so this is where they do bring up some really good questions such as hey if the reach is doing and the reach and lex corp if they're doing all this stuff um enhancing crops they're wondering is it genetically modified to which the tour guide tells us no but also, will this be putting a lot of the farmers out of business? The tour guide reassures them that the REACH apparently has shared their techniques with the agricultural community. So there's no need to worry about anybody losing their jobs. And um, they've also shared the different kinds of things they've put together, such as vitamin-enriched tomatoes, broccoli, apples, corn. Uh, there's like a crazy other a pl Pluto's, pl something like that. Rutabaga? Yeah, there's uh... something. <laughs> um everybody starts grabbing one. everyone on the team starts grabbing some of the food everybody starts putting it in plastic bags to investigate further impulse is the only one who decides to take a full-on bite out of it i mean look he's come from a rougher future than we know of so i get it get your apple while you can um but as they look over the plants they see that ivan oozes ooze is clearly supplying the plants uh, so they definitely want to get more insight on that. And here we transition to what might be one of the greatest sequences <laughs> in DC animated history. To set oh. the stage, <laughs> we know that Sportsmaster in another episode was upset about the death of Artemis. And that was not a throwaway because he calls a meeting of supervillains to get reparations for his daughter, <laughs> he requests to kill Calder because Calder getting away with this murder strikes at the heart of his rep. So Black Manta is there with the rest of the council and they're like, look, man, we get it. Unfortunately, we can pay you off, but we need Calder in here. So your request is denied. And Sportsmaster goes, all right, and tries to kill Black Manta on the spot in front of everybody. <laughs> oh, man. It is honestly wild because um, just when you think that maybe this could be it, he'll probably dodge out the way. No, his attack is blocked and is stopped by the new enforcer of the light, Deathstroke whose force master recognizes really quickly, like, wow, you really fired me off the job while I reported into work like this <laughs> with my replacement. The seat ain't even cold yet. So now that sports master is trying to figure out what to do, um, fortunately for him, there is an explosion that reveals the outside of what's going on. And in that Cheshire or Cheshire, still not sure about the pronunciation yet in comics. Um, she does appear in a helicopter helping Sportsmaster escape. And as the two of them are talking, this is when he's just like, hey, you know, I didn't get the job done, but I did what I had to do for my street cred. I do this all day. And now that I'm okay to go forward and kill Black Manta, 
you can go forward and kill Calder and we'll make it like a family affair. This man, this character development. I am more invested in this villain than any hero on Titans. I don't know how. <laughs> and I even know what happens. Like, <laughs> Sportsmaster is a true villain. I love him so much. And this scene was incredible. Elsewhere, back at the heroes, they have hung out all night after the tours have left. And they're in their self-suits. So they find a lab with the purple ooze diamond um, that has the material. And things are going pretty well because Robin pretty easily, showing that he has learned a thing or two from his ninja counterparts, easily plucks a diamond from the sample machine without raising a single sound. And he's getting ready to go. Unfortunately... Arsenal decided to leave a little present and blow up the lab, which immediately, <laughs> immediately attracts security. And again, because we haven't gotten enough good villain scenes this episode, they're, they're, we're spoiled today. <laughs> Lex watches from a distance and he says, hey, you know what? Mercy's like, I'm going to send in some guards. And Lex is like, guards are redundant. I'm going to send something else. Watch this. Black Beetle pulls <laughs> up. And you know they don't have a chance. But now the heroes have to face Black Beetle. It is a battle. Um, I was not expecting. It's also really gory, too. Because at first you think there's a lot of blood in this episode. But it's actually all tomatoes. If you look at any <laughs> anything to this episode or just screenshots of it. Black Beetle gets hit by so many tomatoes because Impulse, when he gets thrown into a tomato cart, <laughs> decides to super speed it like um, that scene from Elf. It just reminded me so much of it where he's just oh. like the snowball fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So as um, they're seeing this battle and Black Beetle's obviously giving everybody to work here, we do see that one weapon seems to work against Black Beetle in this case, and that's Arsenal's laser it's able to cut through Black Beetle's body or at least his armor. But we also see that Black Beetle can also regenerate very quickly. Um, so this is putting everybody on 10 to try to get out. Uh, even Impulse gets, like, once again, stapled to the wall. I feel like this is becoming more and more of a thing for him. <laughs> yeah, that's his, that's his kryptonite, just staples. <laughs> and... Now it's just a game of retreat. So luckily, Roy has another clay face arrow that temporarily stops Black Beetle. But once they get outside, Impulse reveals, I love this little beat. I don't have super strength, so I can't really carry anybody. Maybe you can, Jaime. But somebody's getting left. And they're like, A-Squad doesn't leave anybody behind. Facts. So now, to make matters worse... A green beetle shows up, but in the best bit of luck, he is actually on the hero side. He hits Black Beetle with that wombo combo and tries his best to help help them survive. And this is where you really see, because I haven't really mentioned it before, but this is where you really see Tim's wise leadership because... Mm -hmm. One At one point, Green Beetle gets trapped in by fire, and they realize, yeah, he's a Martian. So Tim goes, save him from the fire. We're going to team up. 
We're going to fight him well enough so we can get the hell out of here. And that's exactly what they do. They execute a plan. And together, Green Beetle goes to Blue Beetle and says, hey, we're going to use some sonic cannons to temporarily knock him out. But after that, all of us are going. And that's exactly what they do. They're able to escape the clutches of Black Beetle at the last second. Yeah, I don't know um, sound science, but 27 Angstrom doubled is apparently very dangerous. Um, Don't mess around with that. Um, I also did like another moment in this battle in which um, everybody's calling out Blue Beetle for not being able to hold his own against Black Beetle. Uh, There are moments in which it is clear that, again, Black Beetle is the superior Beetle here. Um, So when they question why is it that Jaime can't take him down like he did the last time, he shares that like, hey, that's when I gave control over my body to the Scarab. But after revealing um, that, you know, because of this future that he might have, He's afraid to do that. And it's kind of nice that that gets paralleled with McGann's whole experience of not wanting to um, uh, use her abilities because she's afraid of what's going to happen. So when we have those two moments in there, it's nice to see that it doesn't just apply to one character. In fact, it applies to two characters throughout different generations and different experiences throughout this team. And speaking of McGann, we hop back over to... The um the bed of Calder, where Black Manta is once again checking in on his son. He is joined by Vandal Savage, the leader of the light, who comments that he is quite upset still that Calder is in his catatonic state. And this is when, and this is all because of um, as he calls it, the Martian witch. Um, I thought this was like a pretty interesting route to go to keep calling her Martian witch this entire time, and also stemming into our next episode. But this is where Savage reveals that her time will soon come. But more importantly, we're going to try and heal Calder by bringing in Simon. This, yeah, this. Now they have to deal with a whole other issue in a whole other episode the fix. So we start with the uh, Tigress, and she is undercover. As our, of course, Artemis is undercover and she's struggling with her identity because the only time anyone recognizes who she is is when she looks in the mirror. Because mm-hmm. especially now that Calder is not around. So she doesn't even have Calder to even look in her direction and remind her that she is not this evil person. And to make matters even worse, um, Simon is here and Simon has the ability while putting Calder's mind together to read Calder's mind. So all the deception that they've been planning will be instantly exposed if Simon succeeds. But that's the only seemingly seeming way to save Calder from this catatonic state. So as she's struggling with that, she keeps saying her line with, you know, perfect mm. um, is a refrain throughout this episode. Um, we get to a scene between Green Beetle and Miss Martian where they're trying to see if they can trust this dude. We open up with that scene here of Miss Martian um, being very reluctant with reading Green Beetle's mind, even though he is giving her the okay. And from what we've known in the past from different um, different IPs throughout the DC universe, it's pretty common for Martians to be open-minded with each other. 
pun not intended. Um, <laughs> so as they're talking, even Green Beetle does give a very chilling smile. I do remember watching oh, this yeah. at the like, oh my god, that was creepy as heck. Um, but because of his like joking mannerisms, she does, she is able to um just establish this mental link. And this is when he shares a little bit about himself, um, how he is willing to uh just help in any way, shape, or form, and that he is truly honest about his intentions of being here to help stop the breach. Yeah, and that kind of turns things around. Um, it's one of the things that will make him a valuable ally. But speaking of people who are not valuable allies, Simon is in left in a room with Tigris um, to help with the procedure. So she quickly fires a small dart that reduces catatonia for weeks, apparently? Jesus. Yeah. See, this is, again, back when we were talking about the most dangerous things in your your quiver or your tool belt. This is up there. Yeah, this is... Uh, well, she got it from her family. Got it from the Sportsmaster, which makes complete oh. sense. <laughs> um, so, after she shoots Simon with a dart, Simon freaks out, attacks her, and passes out just in time before he can expose her. And Tigris, so quick, turns it around and says, oh, McGann must have left a telepathic virus mm. in Calder's head for anybody psychic. And that's why he freaked out. So she's like, you know what? I know what we got to do. I will volunteer. I'm going to get McGann. I'm going to pull her down here and she's going to fix him. And Black Manta is like, yo, great idea. Take Deathstroke with you, though. <laughs> And before we get to see what happens when Deathstroke and Artemis team up, we get truly unexpected a soda commercial. <laughs> yes, this soda commercial is for the new drink called Reach by the Reach. Um, this is the drink that we saw it was being made in our previous episode. Um, for credit, whereas credit is due. This song is sung by um, James Marsden, who, as we know, is the uh, voice of Impulse here, as well as um, Danica McKellar, who is providing backup vocals, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> it is the most 90s ad you've ever seen in your entire life. And even ends with the quote, reach for reach. I mean, simple, it's... easy to remember. Any marketing I, yeah. team would love it. I love it. I kind of want to reach for a reach if I didn't know what the bad things they could do to you. And I mean, I mean, the soda does those bad things to you too, but I feel like reach probably is a little worse. Yeah, because as they establish in the next scene, Green Beetle reveals that over time, over generations, the reaches concoctions will make the human population docile, which I really love that it wasn't like this is instantly going to brainwash. It's like, no, mm -hmm. this is going to be over generations and generations of time so that it'll easily be able to easily conquer Earth. So I do like that little bit of science there. Um, so while they are now accepting this information and this information really turns a corner for Green Beetle at, as a member of the team, 
Lagoon Boy and McGann go off the talk because McGann's been avoiding Lagoon Boy, as we all should, um, <laughs> since all, all the recent events have happened. And Deathstroke pulls up and says, I hate to interrupt this interspecies romance, but it is time for y'all to taste the steel of my boot. He he blinds them with his, the, the sunlight reflected off his sword and just goes at it. And I'm like, and the backup is three minutes away. But as soon as they said three minutes, I was like, you're out of your league, Lagoon Boy. You ain't mm. going to last 30 seconds versus Deathstroke. <laughs> and he clearly does not because Deathstroke low-key just stomps him out into the ground <laughs> as um as the uh tigress and miss martian are fighting against each other this is where she does set up a, t- a telepathic link between the two of them for between her and artemis here and she's starting to question because she's still unsure she's like asking artemis is that really you and this is where she does prove that like yes it is me however so much went down because of you that we need to capture you and take you with us. So make it look good. And as the battle continues, I do love the moments in which she's like, okay, you're making it look too good now. Like I'm, I'm kind of struggling to keep up here. Fortunately though, uh, Tigress is able to use one of her fire bombs, I guess I will call it to put some fire around McGann so that she does pass out. This gives Deathstroke an opportunity to put an inhibitor collar on her. As they all, as the two of them take McGann and travel away with her in this, uh, I don't know. Still, it's the the manta ray. I, I know this. I know there's <laughs> got to be something better out there than fly. There's got to be something better than manta flyer. I just know it. I feel it in my heart. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so we get a quick scene with Green Beetle and Jaime talking, and Green Beetle implies that. He got control of his scarab by getting in it to it with his shape-shifting and maybe could do the same for Blue Beetle, even though the procedure is very risky. And Jaime goes, look, I'm going to become so jacked I destroy the universe. This is worth the risk, all right? Uh, so as they proceed with this procedure, we go back to the, the Black Manta base where... Even though McGann is collared, Black Manta informs her that they can selectively reinstate her telepathy so she can work on Calder's mind and that Deathstroke is watching remotely out of range out of her psychic pull and will set off his, the explosive collar on her neck if she tries anything. What do I have to say to that? That's joking just that kind of a G. I think he suggested that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this is it right now. We do need that Black Manta movie because we need them to play just like this. I like the the evil sinisterness of this version of Black Manta, willing to do anything um, to take down the people that hurt his son because what ends up happening too is as they exit, uh, Manta does leave with Tigris and shares that like, hey, you know, she's only here just to help my son. Once she does that, she's fish food. Uh, doesn't quite say it like that, but you know what we mean. As now we hop on over because, you know, as they decide to um, 
spend this time now to fix Calder's mind, we have to now mend the leg of Lagoon Boy, who has been transported to the hospital with Nightwing and Superboy. Um, Lagoon Boy is obviously insisting that he wants to rescue him again. Even as the points coming at night, um, at um, Superboy for certain things, I'm just like, Lagoon Boy, you got two broken legs here right now, my man. Don't let it be a broken arm to follow up because Superboy will punch you. Uh, um, wait, real quick. Why is he in a human hospital? That is a good question. <laughs> Um, <laughs> why did he take him to Atlantis? Like he, he would heal faster in Atlantis, I would yeah. assume. He's a fish boy. What? What is a human doctor gonna do for him? Take him to the vet. Jesus. <laughs> I, I oh. just I couldn't let that one go. I, I'm like I was like, what a strange choice to take him to a human hospital. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Oh uh, wow! I didn't even think about that's the one little plot hole i guess that we'll never figure out <laughs> um but i guess we're adding another one here to the another hole to the plot of the grand scheme of their plan because as nightwing is realizing that um lagoon boy and superboy might be put piecing some things together he decides that it's time to reveal everything by which that calder has been working deep cover this entire time that they faked Artemis' death, death, and right now that she is posing as Tigress, and that even though they had to hide this secret from the team, he just felt so bad about the fact that they had to mourn Artemis in this way, that they had to try and hurt Calder, and most most importantly, that Lagoon Boy got the work because apparently, you know, him fighting against Deathstroke was not in the cards at all. Um, this leads into Nightwing very solemnly sitting down as Lagoon Boy just kind of berates him about everything. But Superboy does jump to Nightwing's side and say, like, you know what? He probably had a good reason for keeping all this information a secret. And it's clear because um, there's just so much that needed to be done to get us to this point now where we feel like maybe we can rally. This is followed by, I think, my favorite Superboy scene in the series thus mm -hmm. far. Because... Superboy walks out of the room with Nightwing, and Nightwing goes, thanks for backing me up. And Superboy goes, you acting like you gave me a choice. And basically gives this great teardown where he's like, the team, I trust your decisions. But, and I recognize the team would have fallen apart if I, if I came out against you right now. I understand you did what you had to do. However, look at the stakes. Look at the situation you put yourself in. If Artemis... McGann or Calder mess up. All three of them are dead. Mm. Off rip. We had a base, two bases blow up. We've had people almost dying, people getting tortured, the 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 scarab almost getting activated, all because of this super this undercover mission. So are y'all really thinking about the consequences of what you're doing here? So it shows how much gro growth Superboy has because season one Superboy, he would have grunted, walked away. Mm -hmm. season two is piecing things together and it's like, I understand hard choices have to be made, but are you thinking about our friends' lives or are they just pieces on a chessboard to you? So that really gives Nightwing pause um, as we go back into the mindscape where Artemis and McGann are trying to save Calder. Yes, and, um, you know, on par, this whole scenario is on par with 
uh, Nightmare on Elm Street when we join into that mindscape there because it is absolute ruins and you may be killed every single time you turn around. Uh, as uh, Miss Martian and Artemis are in there, we have to, there are certain rules to this mindscape, one of which is just like everything that you see is not real. Um, so they have to remember that in order to try to see if they can find Calder to start bringing him back. Unfortunately, just like in the beginning of our episode here, it is clear that there are antibodies in play wherever part of the body may be, as Tula is operating as the antibody within Calder's mind, who does see Miss Martian as a threat after the after basically the brain blast that he gave him that she gave him earlier. And Artemis has to figure out a way to get Miss Martian back in the game because she does start to fall victim to the fact of believing that she was at fault and she ruined the plan and she was the one that harmed her friends slash friends here. Uh, so it's it's crazy to see that how quickly everything switched up because Artemis just dealt with like she's unable to breathe and quickly rallied, but Miss Martian really truly has to face her demons in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, and this is pretty much a bigger fight of her accepting that her powers do have serious consequences if she goes all out. So she, in the end, Artemis is able to step up and find Aqualad in the midst of the rubble. She also leaves McGann to get hurt. <laughs> like <laughs> let, let's, McGann literally, literally beat herself up for a while. Um, and finally is able to pull the three of them together and let McGann start to forgive herself for what she's done. And as they come out, and it's great how they come out of this because Black Manta taps Artemis and goes, hey, and Artemis is startled because she was in the mine previously. And he's like, yeah, you've been here for hours working. And as he's ready to throw in a towel, Calder speaks a few words. And this is an interesting moment because you see how much Black Manta genuinely cares for his son here. Mm -hmm. And he actually does have an emotional response to seeing Calder back up. So much so that he's like, maybe I don't even have to kill McGann when this is over. If this is because I mean, he's so grateful that he's his son is back. So because the episode is giving us a little bit hope, we end up with a little bit more hope for Jaime. Yeah, because um, Impulse is currently speeding around trying to find him because he found out that when he wants to go see him earlier in the day, that Jaime never returned home. Uh, it's a nice little full circle moment from in the earlier from our <laughs> first episode where it's just like trying to return home before the streetlights come on to now, you know, not returning home at all. Um, but once again, according to the comics, um, Jaime's family does know that he is Blue Beetle because... Once again, the team has to make sure, given the fact he's under 18, that he got they got the, his parental consent, signed his permission slip so that he can <laughs> go on his super heroics. Unlike Mrs. Frizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Impulse ends up finding Jaime with Green Beetle outside of Star Labs. And it's clear that the entire time when they first um, were first talking, Blue Beetle has been working with green beetle to try and see if they can work on the scarab so impulse tries to intervene because he's still suspicious about green beetle but when he breaks them apart this is when jaime comes around and says wait no i'm good the scarab is silent 
I think I have full control over it as we end our episode with Impulse just saying crash. Yeah, so it's a lot of hope. I will say this, these set of episodes, this ends, you're right, this did end with a lot of hope. So as we see the look off in the distance to see the sun rising, um, you know, as I said, it is before the dawn now. So the sun is here. So as we do that, here is a podcast from the Forgotten Entertainment family that you should be listening to the next time you're not listening to us. Have those Marvel blues while Black Widow's theatrical release date is consistently delayed? Well, turn that frown upside down because yet another MCU podcast is here to guide you through the MCU one movie at a time. That's right, Mike. Each episode, we break down one movie from the MCU and talk about its connections with the source material, comic books. Which means I get to learn so many fascinating things like about Alpha Flight. The Canadian Avengers. Who knew? And Moon Knight. A multiple personality superhero. Seriously? And then there's Man-Thing. Yeah, not really sure how to explain that one. Pretty sure no one can. Yet another MCU podcast, part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. All right. So we had a full set of episodes here today. I think it's the first time we've done four episodes back to back in a while, um, especially for season two. But there was a lot of great content in all of these, all of which were connected. But of course, we always have to make the final decision of what was the most whelmed episode of our bunch today. Look, Sportsmaster almost sold the show for me. I got, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even lie. That that was one of the hypest things I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. But if we're being realistic, as into like what is the most fully formed story, I I think we have before the dawn, uh, the second part of the two parter. Uh, it gives you so much. It gives you a really full circle of Jaime. It starts with Jaime getting his powers. And ends with Jaime really realizing what he's a part of. You know, mm. it was just a shirtless accident before, but now it's an an international problem. This episode features great action, particularly with the impulse slow motion scenes and the battle against Black Beetle, where every Titan, really, even Virgil, gets a chance to shine a little bit, um, but ultimately come up short. And it has, of course, the moment that kind of kicks off this arc of episodes of Miss M brainwashing Calder mm. because this is finally when the dam breaks of the time where she uses her skills and it goes too far. So there's a lot of great plot set up, a lot of good character moments with Barbara, Tim, and it does set up the Reach as a big threat, open threat to the season. So... Because of all it does and the tightness of the story, I will say it's the top, though all the other episodes were not far behind, except for uh, for uh, Cornered because there was too much Mal and Despero's <laughs> motivations were not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to I'm going to agree to I think Before the Dawn was my most welcomed episode pick. Um, really, for all those reasons that you said, too, because I think that by where it, it served actually as the um the kind of like the mid-season premiere unintentionally though um so uh darkest premiered in october of 2013 i think like mid-october of 2013 um i could be wrong but it could have been exactly october 16th of 2013 um and before the dawn was supposed to premiere right after that but because of um i guess they decided to wait a bit or something was happening in 2013. They decided to 
um, to push it a little later. The show didn't come back until like January of 2014. So when that happened, um, it did serve as a great mid-season premiere. In fact, the funny thing about it is that it was available for one day, a week after Darkest was um, was first dropped. It was available on iTunes. And because everybody was so wanting to see how we were going to pivot in this way, Before the Dawn became the, one of the top five episodes purchased on iTunes that week. And only survived for one day on iTunes. That is a testament to how much people really love this show, you know, mm -hmm. and maybe it was maybe a little bit of it was hunger for more Teen Titans, but also it speaks to the quality of the show and the, of the story of how much people were invested to to get closer to the reach, get closer to the light and find mm -hmm. out what was going to happen next. Yeah. And I will say, I think, um, speaking of the reach, I think they are a great kind of like overall branching mystery villain too, um, which is why even though Corner isn't the strongest, I do appreciate everything that Corner did, where it started planting the seeds of doubt on the public about heroes. Like that was just super cool just to see how well the Reach ambassador was able to move around his wording um, to make sure that the heroes were like getting caught in these little scenarios. So don't like Mal's like introduction. It felt very much like a season one Superboy episode where it's just like we're gonna introduce this big overarching galactic theme into the show for 10 minutes of the act like 20 minutes of the actual show, but throw in some like big moments and it felt like that again but i gotta give that honorable mention to the special shout out to them for doing that because um you know it's hard to do that especially when it's i will say probably like an animated series and you only have about like 20 odd minutes to really knock this out and they did a great job in doing it even less time than that yeah the setup is incredibly important um of the episode yeah but yeah, ultimately, you can always tell what they had like a lot of time to think think through. Like the the gap of between the episodes that really excel and good episodes is small, but when it's there, you can notice it. Mm. Um, and when it's secret, it's re really obvious. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah, these are a strong batch of episodes that really push the invasion. It's not always just War of the Worlds robots sweeping through sometimes it's subtle and insidious seeds that they keep planting in this case literal plants and in mm. the soda so it is really a great approach for how to do this yeah and uh we're going to see how that invasion continues out um because there's going to be so much more of the reach um so much more which we'll talk about at a later point especially throughout this show so we're going to wrap it up here and come back next week. So yeah, we're going to continue on with episodes 14 through 16. We're going to go back into the three episode format um, because we just wanted to bash these together because again, it does seem like a very logical conclusion that happened with the connection in the beginning. Um, but, while, but until we come back, take care of yourselves and remember that if you're going to make a song promoting your product, it has to be an absolute banger like Reach for the Reach. And if your Hispanic mother tells you to come home at a certain time, you best go. Otherwise, you might end up 
as the leader of the invasion of the human race. Very true. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Yet another DC animated podcast is a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. If you liked what you heard, leave a review and share us with a friend. Also be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts and on social media at YADC Animated Pod.